Hey, Keegan, what's up? Cheeto, what's happening, man? How you doing? Hey, it's all good up here on the north side, man. It's finally November. Uh, and as always, I am Cheeto Tabuye, and with me is Keegan Chanal. Welcome, Ooh. Dog Nation, to Florida Hate Week. And this is Dogs Off the Leash. Boom, 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 do it for the dogs. Boom. So let's hop right into it. Uh, November 1st, uh, where football really starts to set in. And, uh, you know, to start off, you know, for those who enjoyed uh, Halloween last night and in honor of that, uh, we want to kind of start off with some some spookiness for the podcast. We really wanted to jump <laughs> into some, so just some spooky losses. <laughs> that haunts some Georgia fans, and then we'll get into some Georgia-Florida stuff and see what this matchup is going to look like. So, Keegan, give me some of your most spooky or the losses that has haunted you uh, as a Georgia fan in recent years. You know, sometimes I just wake up in a cold sweat. I can see opposing teams cheering, Georgia fans crying. <laughs> it, it's hard being a fan in Georgia, and that goes through multiple sports, but – uh, as a bulldog, you know, as of late, it has been hard, man. That's true. I feel like that's just part of being a fan. You know, there's ups and downs. There's good ones and bad ones. But as far as my most haunting Georgia losses for the sake of Halloween, I would say that the 2007 blackout loss versus Alabama where we pulled out the stops and we got whoop, not so hot, not so shabby. I would also say, for me, the since I was there in 2012 when Georgia lost to South Carolina when we were playing in their backyard, was a horrible loss. Jadavion Clowney, A.R. Lunch. Um, oh, that kid could play, we, though, man. That kid could he, play. He single-handedly ruined our offense and anything we tried to do, and they ended up beating us by, like, three touchdowns, I want to say. And then, lastly, most recently, and probably the worst of all, would be the 2017 National Championship loss where we blew, what, a three-touchdown lead? What was it? How bad was it? We yeah, blew it, it. It, was, it, was about, it was about three touchdowns or, or so, um, I think maybe going into the third. Um, and that one, for me, it ranks as my number one. Um, you know, just given the stakes on the on the biggest stage in the game, you know, we weren't supposed to be there. It was a, a dream season uh, and a great game, but nonetheless, the most haunting, just the way, you know, they missed the field goal to to win the game, and it was just like, this is it, this is it, and, and, and then we blew it. Um, number two for me, the 2012 SEC championship game, UGA Bama with Aaron Murray and Todd Gurley came up just five yards short. That one killed me, and then this one's actually still a pretty fresh, uh, pretty fresh wound. Um, this year, the South Carolina game, uh, and it haunts me only because, you know, just the fashion, just the fashion that we lost it. It just didn't look like we, you know, we wanted to be there that day. It pretty much made South Carolina, South Carolina's year, and that one really could come back to bite us, um, you know, if. You know, we have we we lose another SEC East game, and then to lose to South Carolina, I just of all people, that that one's gonna haunt me for some time. So, you know, start off with the negative stuff. But listen, we have a chance at redemption this week against Florida. Everything that's happened this season, this is where 
this is where our season is on the line and where our team has to step up. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a crazy game, man. I feel like the fans right now are down in St. Simon's, Jekyll Island, all gathered about. We got all our the Gainesville travelers coming in, and I just feel like it's such a electrifying atmosphere. It's a lot like a playoff game for you know some of maybe the younger freshmen on the team that haven't experienced that kind of atmosphere or you know maybe kind of like an SEC championship warm-up. I know there's been a, a lot of talk about if the home and home series is going to stay in Jackson or uh, you know the uh, the Cockdale part is going to stay in Jacksonville and versus going to a home and home series and even though I could see the recruiting benefits of the home and home, which Kirby's, you know, spoken out in a lot of the pressers this week about, you know, the benefits of having the ability to have another home game on the schedule, especially one that matters at, a, at you know, like a good opponent like Florida, where we share so many pivotal recruits throughout the off season um, or recruiting targets. I feel like, you know, it's just such an interesting and unique thing. It's just, one of the best things in college football as far as, like, big games that you're going to see regularly in a rivalry. And really, one of Georgia's last true rivalries outside of, like, historical frameworks. I mean, it's really one of the few good rivalries where it really could go either way either any year, and that's how it's been for the last, you know, 20. So, really, this, it's really good for This you. one is a, is a big rivalry, and like you said, like it's so relevant right now, which I think really keeps it exciting. And just the fact that it's the earth's biggest rustic wine cooler fiesta, I think says, you know, <laughs> it says a lot about the energy that's going on down there. Now, um, for a lot of people, Georgia-Florida is the biggest rivalry uh, of uh, of Georgia uh, and one of the bigger ones in the SEC. Now, that is, you know, disputed because, you know, officially Florida, Auburn, Georgia Tech, and one of those that's kind of out of historical context out of, you know, as of recent years, Clemson is actually an official rival of ours. Is Florida the number one rival team for Georgia for you? Mm. Uh, you know, for me, I think it's Bama because that team more recently has, you know, as far as, and I know they're not like a traditional rival, but as far as recent memory, the biggest rival in my heart is Alabama. Like, it's going to mean I would take a win over Alabama over Florida any day just because of what it would mean for me and my heart and all my uh, competitive play and fun I have with my friends who are Bama fans that do not uh, surrender when we lose to them. And there's been, you know, such uh, – we've, we've they've had our number the last few times. So that, for me, is closest thing on you know, my heart. But then right behind them would definitely be Florida. What about you, man? Okay, think? and that's fair. Everyone has their, like, personal rival, and a lot of that's geography. Like, being from North Georgia, a lot of people around here, we have a lot of Tennessee fans, so Tennessee, to them, is a rivalry. Uh, I don't consider um, Alabama a traditional rival. Um, the same way, like, South Carolina fans think they have a rivalry, rivalry with us because they've gotten the better of us in, you know, recent memory. They are not a rival, and I won't give them that. Tennessee is much closer, in my opinion, to being a rival of South Carolina and uh, Bama. But for me, it's it's. I would so the top three undisputed: Florida, Auburn, and Georgia Tech. I will say, for me personally, I didn't hate 
Florida so much growing up, but I've always hated Auburn. I don't know what it is. So for me personally, it's like a I would say one A for me would be Auburn, and then a super super close like one A parentheses two would be Florida. Like <laughs> I, I hate I hate them both a lot, but Auburn for me is just. Uh, since the, the Nick Fairley days back in, I mean, just very recent kind of how things have gone with them. We've gotten the better of Florida um, as of late. So while I do hate them, it's Auburn for me, but I understand everybody having their own personal rivalries. Now let's shift real quick um, to focus on Georgia, Florida. So I wanted to get from you just a couple of keys um, to, to a victory on Saturday. Now we haven't performed very well the last two weeks. Coley's taken a lot of heat. Kentucky wasn't a particularly pretty game, but numbers-wise, in both games, our offense actually played well, but the results and the points on the boards haven't been there. So give me a couple of keys to win this game in Jacksonville this Saturday. For sure, man. So doing a little bit of prep for this upcoming matchup against the Gators, I had to look into their play against LSU, and I found some numbers – to note upon positive and negative for their team. So one thing that they really had going for them versus LSU is Kyle Trask had 310 passing yards. So that is to say that in a key to the game, we cannot underestimate their ability to pass the football. I know Kyle Trask is going to come in and uh, he's, he's maybe not as known to us, but he's shown his ability to perform against the high level defense that LSU has. And it's just to say that, you know, we really want to respect the pass and get we got to get pressure. We got to get pressure. LSU didn't really get a whole lot of pressure like they needed to, and ultimately it's what led Florida to, you know, pass the ball on them like they did. Now, they weren't able to run as effectively, and that would be what I'll flip to otherwise because I just looked at that game because really it's the main opponent Florida's had that they've been tested, and anytime that's the case, it, you can really look at. Yeah. yeah, you can learn a lot. The other thing I would just say, other than really respecting the pass and getting some pressure, the main other point for us is that LSU was able to run the ball uh, almost 200-plus yards um, versus Florida. So it can be done. And if we can come in and, you know, kind of keep the defense on their heels and not be so predictable, we got to establish the run. I think that's just going to be – so pivotal. There's been a lot of uh, Jake Fromm doubters recently, and understandably so because he's underperformed. He's had a couple of bad games, but he's still shown us that he's one of the elite passers in college football right now. And I think that, you know, if we're going to be able to use his skills like we need to, we got to establish the run. we got to, you know, do some draws, do some outside runs, you know, involve some of our other guys. I heard someone this week say, you know, Georgia doesn't have the talented backfields that they've had in years past. Um, all they got is DeAndre Swift. Well, if you're, you know, watching the games, it might appear to that, you know, appear that way because I feel like we're not involving the backs, the other backs, as much as we should or as much as we did at the beginning of the season. So I really want to see, you know, just having more backs on the field, uh, getting Zeus, uh, getting, you know, some of these other guys, getting like, you know, get James Cook. He's, he's got a lot of utility. He's very quick around the edges. You know, get some of these guys involved to where it kind of changes up the rhythm. They're not just expecting that DeAndre Swift up the middle. You know, he's got he's got like a kind of like a, you know, a more athletic, younger Michael Turner-esque 
where he can like really hit the hole. He's got great vision. He's got that one or two steps where he can really change direction. It's it's great. Um, but it seems like, you know, it's more of a predictable run call. And when they've really had some success with him, they put him on the edges. You know, he's a versatile back. So I just want to see us really attack in a way that's creative and to be able to involve the run and open up the pass. And I think those are our two key areas is, uh, you know, pressure, pressure the young gunna trask and uh, get a, get some, you know, get some creative play call to get the run going. Cause LSU showed it can be done. And Hey, we, I would like to think that we have just as good, if not better uh, running offense with our, with our offensive line and, our uh, our ability to uh, involve many other backs because we got the talent. So that's, those are really my like main two keys to the game. Obviously, the offensive line play has got to step up, but that just kind of like goes without saying. So that's that's pretty much my summation of what I think it's going to come down to. What what like what have you been kind of what are you most worried about, and what do you think is going to be the biggest key to the game for for the for them Bulldogs? Well, my keys to the game, a lot of them really line up with yours very well. Let me let me start with the fact that our captains for this week are DeAndre Swift, Jake Fromm, and J.R. Reed. Now, J.R. Reed's going to play his game. I'm very confident in him. Uh, but uh, James Coley has to allow DeAndre Swift and Jake Fromm to be at their best. So, really, just reiterating what you said, like, we don't – there's no reason why we should be predictable. Um, DeAndre Swift is a versatile back. He can catch the ball out of the backfield, run off tackle. He reminds me a lot of an Alvin Kamara. And the same way the Saints use him when they're most successful is having him out in the flat, having him run arrow routes and angle routes out of the backfield. Again, off tackle, draw, running back screens. I feel like the game is getting away from running back screens. I want to see those more. Um, so, along with that key, James Coley also has to be creative in how he calls the offense. And giving our receivers opportunities to make plays, when we know Florida's going to load the box and their uh, corners are going to play press coverage. So, a stat for that, right? on passing offense, we rank uh, 57th, 52nd in the nation, while Florida actually ranks 28th. As to be expected, you know, they pass a little bit more. Our run game is one of the best in the nation, so um, we give them the nod on that. Rushing offense, UGA is 16th in the nation behind our offensive line and with our stacked running uh, backfield. And Florida is ranked 90th. Uh, so they're going to struggle running the ball against our defense. Um, also, we have to win the turnover battle in this game. Over three times, you're going to lose that. You're going to lose that game. And while Kirby has preached raising the havoc rate all off season, we've done a little bit of that over the season, but it hasn't been consistent enough or effective enough um, to where we should be bragging about it. And to give you the turnover margin stats for both UGA and Florida, we are ranked. 54th in the nation with a plus one turnover margin, uh, meaning that, you know, if we were to turn the ball over twice in a game, we have three takeaways. So we're plus one. Florida is plus three in that category, ranking at number 36 in the nation. And to give you an idea of, uh, you know, where those teams stand in respect to each other, Florida has forced twice as many turnovers as the defense who's looking to create more turnovers, but, they have also given up 
twice as many. So they are vulnerable to giving up turnovers, but they create them. So this is good. this game, I think, is going to be drastically swung off of that alone, um, as most games are. Uh, and then for us right now, and for Florida as well, um, being healthy at this point of the year is huge. We are getting back Tyson Campbell, which will strengthen our secondary, which you mentioned hasn't been as good this year. We are getting uh, back uh, Lawrence Cager, who's one of those wide receivers that can create separation off um, off the line and make plays. And I think we're getting some uh, some health back in the trenches as well. Now, um, as far as UGA's offensive line versus Florida's defensive line. This is where I think the game will be won or lost. And to give you another stat for that, we have allowed four sacks all season long. That is first in the nation, all football teams. Now, Florida only comes in uh, – oh, actually, Florida gives up two sacks per game. So that's modest at 76 in the nation, nothing great, nothing too terrible. However – Florida actually is eighth in the nation with 29 sacks on the season, which is crazy. Now, mind you, 10 of those came against Miami alone. So those numbers are skewed, but if you're going to skew the numbers, that's where you want them skewed. And then um, for us, we are only getting 2.2 sacks per game, which is 72nd in the league. So on paper, we have a lot going on for us. As far as total offense, we beat uh, Florida. Our scoring defense is fifth in the nation. Our total defense is seventh in the nation. So we should be able to give uh, Trask a lot of problems in the air, the running backs a lot of problems on the ground. So if we can come in with that Kirby mentality and just really own the line of scrimmage, we can be successful. But we have to score points, plain, plain and simple. Yeah, I think that the offense has really got to get going. I think we address, you know, James Coley has got to get some creative play call going. Now, I kind of want to just ask you, I heard something this week about Dan Mullen. Someone, I was reading an article, and, and someone uh, someone espoused, someone said some things about old Danny Boy. They said, this is Dan Mullen's most important game in his coaching career. Agree or disagree? I would say up to this point, this is this is the biggest opportunity for him to make a splash for the Florida football team with high expectations. So, yes, I think this is the biggest game because of what this can do for the program. This is, this is just as big for them as it is for us because this is essentially going to put the sec- the loser pretty much out of the SEC East, given some crazy scenarios happen down the road, right? So this is huge for both teams. We've had some recent success. Florida is looking for the success that we've had in the past couple of years. So this is much bigger for them in that aspect. But don't get it twisted. We want this, and we want this bad. And I'm almost glad we have a loss already this season because I think the pressure would be on us you know, even if we would have sneaked by South Carolina, the doubters would have been out in full force anyways. Like, uh, will they beat Florida? But now that we had that loss, now it's go time. That was a gut punch, and now it's time to come out swinging, jab, jab, and then haymakers to put these guys away. And I'm actually really pumped for this. Yeah, me too, man. I'm excited. I know, like, if you look at the media, I feel like most people are actually picking Florida. I think, you know, Vegas actually has us favored still. 
Yeah, they do. If if I'm doing, if I'm trying to be objective, I can look at, you know, the number of four-star, five-star recruits. We definitely have more high-end, high-profile recruits on our team. I know they got a, got a, lot, you know, a few guys returning as well with injuries, a couple of defensive linemen, a, a speedy receiver. Uh, so I just, you know, I know that in general, the stages are set. Everyone's season is kind of on the line. This is the biggest game of the season, no doubt. Pretty much, you know, one could argue quite convincingly that the winner of this game is going to be in the SEC championship versus, you know, an LSU, a Bama, maybe, maybe potentially an Auburn if they somehow, you know, were to pull it off. They got the uh, some home field advantage coming up. So I just feel like this, this game is going to be, uh, you know, a real a real barn burner. I think it's going to be a little bit higher scoring than people predict. Um, are, we, are we ready for scores? Well, give me before we hop in the score. Give me some underrated, some underrated aspects of the game that may swing this game that maybe people aren't paying attention to. Because in rivalry games, people really always underestimate some important part. Just the fact that it's a rivalry means it's not going to go how we expect. So, what do you think may happen to affect the game that people aren't looking at right now? Hmm. Let me think. I just think, in general, Georgia has, you know, greater depth. I think this is one of those games when, you know, you look at what could happen. If this game ends up remarkably close at all, I think I think we just have more depth than Florida. And I like our, that. Yeah, our ability to, you know, if, if someone goes down, we got one more for them. And I, I think – I don't know if Florida can really say that as, as much. And I feel like if uh, – you know, for me – I was thinking about this throughout the week. I think that this is actually going to be a coming out game for two players that I'm hot on right now. This is just, you know, me kind of being Keekstradamus with it. My little uh, game-breaker prediction is that we see some some uh, some media spotlight on Zamir White because I think he's clicking in the offense and they're going to, they're going to use him more. I think he's going to have a, a kind of like a breakout game. And I really think that uh, our young defensive end, uh, drawing up, uh, Nolan Smith, is – I think he's going to, you know, I think he's going to have a huge game. I think that uh, I think that he has shown that he's already one of our most at least relentless pass rushers. I don't know maybe the best, but definitely one of the most relentless. He's got that athletic ability around the edge. And I, I think he's going to have kind of a, a game of maturation right here. I think it's just that point in the season. The people who are freshmen aren't really freshmen anymore. I th- I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing some of my favorite recruits and players that if NCAA were uh, were legal, which we got some news this week that college players are looking to get paid in the next few years. Uh, but anyway, some of my favorite players that I'd be like, oh, I can't wait to play it this year. You know, um, no, uh, dang, dang, what am I? I just, uh, Nolan Smith, excuse me. Um, I, I'm about to say Noah Sewell, uh, which is another play. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, Nolan and uh, I think uh, Zamir, I think two of our young guys, some of the, you know, our elite talent for the future are going to kind of break out. And I think that that was a difference maker for us. We got some guys in the wing um, just waiting that could easily be, you know, the best player on an SEC 
team in a couple, you know, at that kind of maturation junior season kind of level, you know, we've got some guys that are the next captains of Georgia football. So I just want to see those guys break out. And I honestly think they will because this is one of those games where, you know, coaches are trying to put everything on the table. It's like kind of has that championship feel. I know that we supposedly didn't spend as much time prepping for Florida during the bye week and just focused on ourselves, but that doesn't deny the fact that I think, you know, both teams have had time to prepare and we're going to, we're going to see kind of with that, anytime you got a little bit of extra time, you can expect to see a little bit of trickery, a little bit of um, strategy that, you know, which might kind of stand out compared to the sample size of the rest of the season. So that's kind of like my, go to uh, things I'm looking for. I'm really excited to see some players I, I'm really high on break out. And I think they and will. I like those points. All very good points uh, in a game like this that may be a grind-out game. Depth will play a good fact, a big factor, which is in our favor. Um, uh, and then, like you said, Nolan Smith, a lot of these guys are just ready for a breakout game. But I want to take it to the other side and focus on maybe some underrated points uh, on Florida's side of the ball, which Georgia fans need to pay attention to. So for those who recall, um, the game against Notre Dame, it started off pretty bumpy because Notre Dame's tight end just really exploited our linebackers in the past game. Uh, that was Cole Komet, I believe his name was. Now, Florida has an upcoming tight end who's starting to make a name for himself as well. His name is Kyle Pitts. And if I was Dan Mullen and I'm watching tape on how to exploit UGA's devastatingly good defense, I'm taking the tight end and exploiting the linebackers. So look out for Kyle Pitts, especially in the red zone. Uh, but also, you know, just, you know, third down, third down plays, third and long, whatever it may be. And then the only thing, out, no, even including South Carolina, that seems to be our uh, Achilles heel or our kryptonite are backup quarterbacks. So I am just hoping and praying that, Kirby no longer gets surprised by backup quarterbacks because um, while Trask is in there and he's more of the passing game threat, they do have Emory Jones, who's actually from Georgia. Emory Jones is much more of a dual threat quarterback. A lot of people are familiar with him from UGA, again, given he's from Georgia and he's played in a couple games this year. So if there is a quarterback change, that is a wild card, and we have to be ready for both. Kentucky's wide receiver who played quarterback was just running on us too, too, too much. And while our defense played well in that game, Kirby was right. We weren't fitting gaps. Our eyes weren't where they needed to be, and the tackling was not up to par. So we have to be ready for anything that Dan Mullen and them throw away because, you, like you said, this is a, a playoff type of atmosphere. That's a good Everyone's going to put everything on the table. And, uh, and on top of that, I want to see what Kirby does in fourth and one, uh, short situations, though, and, like, if we were going to leave points on the board. I still remember, I think it was maybe last year, uh, I rewatched the game, when Kirby kicked a field goal with, like, seven, eight seconds left with two timeouts in his pocket at the five-yard line. I've never wanted to pull my hair out more than on that play. There is absolutely no reason. You play the game to win. You take a shot at the end zone. There's always a chance for a fumble or interception, always. But you do not kick a field goal on third down with two timeouts uh, in your pocket going into halftime. Like, we, that cannot happen. Absolutely cannot happen. So I'm really looking for Kirby to make some, some good in-game calls. They won't always go as planned, 
but you play the game to win, and that's always. So now I'm, I'm more than ready to take a shot at some score predictions. We have been fairly terrible this year as far as our predictions, but I will let you kick off and give me what you're feeling like this game is going to look like in Jacksonville tomorrow. You said it's not going to be a defensive game, so to speak. So what are you thinking? Okay, so I think it, you know I think we're going to start off just like any high electricity atmosphere rivalry game. I think there's going to be a lot of back and forth, maybe some three and outs to begin the game. I think we're uh, looking at like a. We, I mean, I hope we have the lead going into halftime, but I feel like it's just going to be close. Um, and I think we're going to pull away. I think our depth. I think our our wants. Um, I know. I know that we. I know that our players are going to want this game. And because I know that, I know that we have better players. And because I know that, I think that we have better coaches. And because I know that, I think we're going to win. And I think ultimately all those things and our depth is just going to be too much for Florida. And I think we pull away in the second half. 31-10 is my final score. 31-10. I like that. I, I expect something similar. I expect our offense and James Coley, who's been talked badly about by Dog Nation and outsiders, and honestly, rightfully so in some aspects. It hasn't been creative enough, but our yards have been there. I expect two touchdowns on the ground, um, whether they're both from DeAndre or not, I do not care. Two touchdowns on the ground, Jake Fromm to throw two in the air, give us 28 points, and then I do foresee Rodrigo being a weapon, and I'll tack on two field goals, so I will go 34 to Florida's 24. Okay, cool. I'll go 34. I like that. 24. I think your score is more realistic, but I like mine better. <laughs> you went, you went what? You went 30, 31-10. 31-10? Yeah, that would be beautiful. I think it could be like 10-10, halftime, 10-7, maybe we're down, and then we just pull it away. But, uh. Yeah, we'll see. It's going to be a great game. Um, I think that UGA has, you know, I think we got everything we need. I think that it's just a matter of putting pieces together. And I really just, as a fan, you know, if heaven forbid we lose, I think that, you know, the media is just so doubtful. And we know this team better than they do. For sure. And I just am ready to be like I told you so. <laughs> so and to the media guys out there and the people that haven't been confident in UJ football, um, you know, I completely understand we deserve that. But I think underneath that first layer, we have a great team here. So all I can say to those people is uh, either love us or leave us alone. And I'm hoping our defense can make uh, Trask see ghosts like Sam Darnold did when he played the Pats a couple weeks ago in the NFL. <laughs> and I want – I want this defense to absolutely haunt Dan Mullen for the rest of this season and for many, many years to come because I expect Kirby to bring it. And all I can say is, is go dogs, go damn dogs, go dogs. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for supporting us. Always feedback is always welcome. One hundred. Not, not a podcast. This is actually a community. So. Please continue to, you know, link up with us, give your feedback, and we'll uh, we'll be talking to you guys sometime next week, hopefully about a victory. Yes, this sir. Is... Who's that coming down the track? It's Jim Dog. Bubba, who? <laughs> and, uh, 
anyway, this has been uh, another episode of Dogs Off the Leash. I'm Keegan and my Cheeto. Yes, sir. So we out. <laughs> See you guys. Thank Peace. you.